Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast. Today, I have a special episode, which is being produced in conjunction with the NYU Stern School of Business MBA admissions team. Today's episode is all about leadership in the MBA experience at NYU Stern. If you're a prospective MBA applicant listening to this, I'm sure part of your inspiration for business schools is partially because you'd like to further your development and growth as a leader. NYU Stern really emphasizes leadership, especially the EQ or emotional quotient, from the moment you apply and enter the MBA program throughout the entirety of the MBA experience. At NYU Stern, they believe leadership is a skill that can be taught, honed, and improved. And in my conversation with our guests, we talk more specifically how each of these students sought out various ways to improve and hone their leadership abilities and how that has helped them transform and grow throughout their MBA experience and beyond. This will give you a great look as to how you can develop your own leadership abilities at a program like NYU Stern. This interview features two current students, Josie Recuria and Lance Banks, one alum, Ashley Zasloff from the class of 2019, and one professor, Professor Nate Pettit, Associate Professor of Management and Organizations. So sit back and enjoy this episode. All right. So I'm excited to dive in. I have such a great lineup of guests here today from NYU Stern. And so I want to start first with the students and alum from NYU Stern. So I'm looking at you, Josie. So Josie, let's start with you. So why did you choose an MBA and why did you choose to get an MBA at NYU Stern? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually went to NYU for my undergrad degree, majoring in English literature and my business background was in sales and trading. So I got a little bit of analytical experience, but really just wanted to take my career to the next level, start to maybe look at something a little more entrepreneurial, but also with the backing of an investment bank. So decided to rewrite myself to go into private wealth using the MBA as a, as a tool for that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm looking at you, Lance. So maybe you can go next. Why did you choose to get an MBA and why did you choose NYU Stern? Yes. Hi, I am Lance. MBA class of 2023. I chose to get an MBA. Before business school, I worked in music and entertainment, and I wanted to contextualize a lot of the work that I had done, especially in the corporate development area. I knew I wanted to go into tech. And NYU Stern, given the location, given the strength of the program, especially the entertainment media technology track, I knew that would uh, set me up to make that sort of transition in the best way possible. That's great. And Ashley, I'm looking at you, and I know that you are an MBA alum from NYU Stern, but talk to me, what were you doing immediately before business school, and why did you choose NYU Stern? Thanks, Sal. Yeah, I graduated in 2019, and I thought about my MBA as a bridge between two chapters of my career, the first really being about skill building and foundation building, and the second post-MBA chapter being about kind of finding long-term alignment and fulfillment in my career. I was in finance before my MBA at Stern. That served me really well in terms of learning, but I knew it wasn't going to be my long-term home. And so pursuing an MBA was about putting myself in a new context that would expose me to a wide range of possibilities. And I chose Stern because it was important for me to have the opportunity to experiment. So being in New York with the wide range of industries and disciplines that were represented, I could do an internship throughout the entire time. 
meet a lot of different people. And so that allowed me to kind of iterate really quickly through what I might want to do next. Okay, so great. So now that we've heard some from some great students and alum, I want the chance to also talk to a professor. And that person would be Nate Pettit. Nate is the Associate Professor of Management and Organizations at NYU Stern. And Nate, you have the privilege of being able to work with students like Josie, Lance, and Ashley each and every day. One of the things that strikes me about all of them is that they are themselves leaders. And so talk to me just a little bit about your background and then Knowing like these students and alum that I'm talking to, how are you seeing some of the guiding principles you're using for making leadership come to life inside and outside of the classroom for these students? You know, how are you helping them build their leadership capabilities so they can advance in their career and be great leaders in the workplace? Sure. Thanks, Lance. So yes, if you are were to come to NYU Stern as a MBA or one-year MBA or an executive MBA, there'd be a, a good chance you would have me. So if you're a, a prospective student, there's that. If you're a former student who happens to be listening, I'm sorry. I've gotten better since then. Things are much better now. But in all seriousness, really the, the biggest guiding principle is that people don't learn through taking theory. They don't even learn especially well through you know a hypothetical case. There's this phrase that I think about very often, which is all the knowing in the world can get crowded out by the rush of the moment. You can think you would know what you would do any given scenario when your blood pressure is nice and low and your heart rate is very calm. But in reality, you have absolutely no idea what would you really do when faced in that situation. And so as a principle, one of the, the guiding things is try to simulate experience as close as we possibly can. And so we're trying to infuse more and more of the real experience into our curricular and co-curricular offerings. And we're starting some exciting things that I'm sure we'll touch on as we go forward. I like what you said there, the quote that you made, and I, I do think it represents the, the reality of sometimes, you know, being in the, in the trenches and having to lead when your blood pressure is on, as you had mentioned. But one program in particular that I, I would love for you to talk a little bit more about, because I think it is particularly valuable to giving that real world experience is the Leadership Accelerator. So can you share a little bit more about that and how it prepares students to grow as leaders for the next phase of their careers after they graduate? Sure. So the Leadership Accelerator was founded in, in 2019 with the idea that we want to have a, a leadership center or initiative here, but not one that kind of replicates what we see at a, a variety of other places. And this isn't to knock any other schools in, in that way. It's just simply, it's a little bit hypocritical to say we're going to lead and then do very much the same thing as we're seeing at other places. And so we're much lighter on bringing in speakers. We're much lighter on the idea of, you know, we'll sit around and talk a, about a case. What we're actually trying to do within the leadership accelerators, I was saying before, is to simulate experience. And I'll use the example of, of tennis, where if you were to say, I, I need to get better at tennis, you're probably not going to do so by watching tennis and reading about tennis. You're probably going to play tennis. And we're trying to get students to play a little bit more tennis. Now, it takes a long time to build up that infrastructure and, and to get people on board. But I'll give one example of that. And this is something the Leadership Accelerators put forth, and they're called live cases. So instead of reading about a hypothetical scenario, you're placed actually into a simulated world with professional actors actually playing the other characters in the case. And so you get thrown into a room with other people, and then all of a sudden you get a knock on the door, and it's the company founder of the company in which a series of investments have come through and the board is looking to oust the founder and they're going to bring all of you in and you're confronted with a, with a lawyer and a, some disaffected subordinates. 
who are upset and you get to see exactly how it is that you would react in that way rather than hypothetically as you sit in a classroom. And that's the reason for the name of the accelerators to accelerate experience is to give you repeated experience over and over. Now we're trying to build more of those things out, but that's one example of what the leadership accelerator does. The thing that strikes me about that program is I know a lot of schools talk about real world experiences, but it doesn't get more real than that of literally having people play certain emotions or certain characters and you having to respond to them. And the name of Accelerator, as well as the repeated experiences, I think is so so key to the point you made. It's not that watching a YouTube video is, is bad, but it's really hard to get better and to get exposed really in depth just by watching something that's static and the ability for people and students to get these hand, real hands-on experiences, repeated reps over and over again, I think can be super valuable for any prospective student out there who wants to really understand what does real world leadership experience look like at an MBA program. But I do want to go back to a couple of the students for a second to talk to them a little bit about their leadership journey, either through the Leadership Accelerator or through leadership opportunities at Stern. And Josie, I want to start with you again. As you think about your experience so far, I know at the time of this recording, you're in your second year. I'd be curious to know, how have the various leadership classes or co-curricular opportunities helped you build your leadership skills? Are there any specific classes or experiences that you really point to as something that helped you grow? Yeah. So the leadership and organizations course was the only course I've taken so far in leadership. I would consider more of a social psychology course, which I think is hugely important when it comes to learning about how people interact with each other in the business world or really in any aspect of our lives. So that course was hugely impactful for me. I am taking another course this semester called Management Communication. Also echoes a little bit of the same sentiments that we learned in LIO, primarily how we interact with each other and learning about sort of how our words or lack thereof could affect our relationships and networking abilities. So I took a lot of what I learned in LIO with me to my internship, I would say. I think especially with regards to the listening aspect, one of the things I actually learned about during my internship was that in meetings, people tend to talk a lot. And that's something that we learned in class. And when we talk too much, it's sort of interesting because usually the person who's delivering the materials to the client or is in the meeting with the client when they come out of there, having done most of the talking, they think that the meeting has gone really well, but then the client might not think that the meeting has gone very well. So really the importance of, of listening, and but also listening with intent. So that's something I've taken with me, and that's really helped me through my journey and really in my everyday life. So speaking of that, because you are a second year, I, I think you recently had the opportunity to complete a summer internship. I'd be curious to know, how did some of those learnings from that course show up for you or help you in your summer internship, maybe even perhaps in all of those meetings that you had to, to do this summer? Yeah, I would definitely go back to the listening aspect, but also, again, listening, I guess, with intent, but also making sure that I bring my best self to work as well. So I wouldn't say I learned that in class, but I think that also comes a little bit with age and experience. So just being able to interact with people in a way that's authentic and calm. One thing I've also learned, again, this I wouldn't really consider this something that I've learned in class, but more so in life, just being able to take a, a situation that's maybe a little bit stressful. You know, we talk a little bit about low heart rates. I mean, the summer was kind of like drinking from a fire hose. So there were a few nights when I stayed till like 9 p.m. And, and I was being thrown a lot of work. And one thing I tried to do 
was spin that into more of a positive light. So, you know, instead of thinking, oh, I'm staying till 9 p.m. Friday before the 4th of July, I thought, well, people who don't know me very well are trusting me with a lot of work to do. So, you know, and some of them are sitting with me and, and sacrificing time with their families to help walk me through it. So really just trying to spin that into a positive way as opposed to making it a stressful, daunting experience was very helpful as well throughout the summer. So Lance, I want to go over to you for a second because I also know that you're a current second year MBA student. And I would love to know from you about your own leadership experience so far. And what's one experience you've had at Stern that you perhaps did in your first year that's really helped you build and hone those leadership skills and abilities? Yes, definitely. So the leadership and organizations course that Josie mentioned, I also did that in my first year and just had such a great experience of having, and as Professor Pettit said earlier, there's only so much that you can learn reading a case in the classroom. And I think that course does a really good job of making leadership tangible and really detaching the idea of leadership from a job title. It's not something that, you know, you'll have your career and you'll work for 10, 15 years, then suddenly leadership will kick in. It's something that happens at all areas of an organization. And I think that was such a great lesson to have and to really understand going into an organization where you're an intern. So, you know, you're kind of at the lowest level, but there are still ways to be a leader, to influence an organization. And at such a great experience with that course that I'm now doing the leadership fellows course that Professor Pettit mentioned earlier, where you are paired with a mentor, you're doing these sort of exercises where you're able to figure out, you know, how would you react? What would you do that I think will be really valuable going forward? And I think also just looking at Stern and looking at that first year, another good example of just being able to be a leader is just all of the different curricular organizations. So I've joined the board of the Association of Hispanic and Black Students, ABOS, and working on the consortium vertical. So really having the opportunity to interact with different students from a lot of different backgrounds and figure out how to best navigate the MBA because there are so many different directions that you can be pulled in. It's important to just like maintain your focus. And so that's something that's been really important to me and a way that you're sort of able to like enact, you know, what you're doing in the classroom in real life. Just listening to you both, Josie and Lance, the two things that stick out to me are number one, a lot of what you're learning, particularly in this class, are things that you can apply each and every day, even within the context of where you are in terms of being a student in business school. Every day you have the chance to demonstrate leadership, whether that's in a formal leadership position or just in any type of position, particularly amongst your peers. And I can definitely see how some of those lessons can be super valuable and important. But I think also of what's important to prospective students that are out there, many of folks who graduate from business school, when you graduate and get your first job post-MBA, you might not be the CEO of the company. In fact, most won't. But there is still an opportunity for you to be a leader. And I think that what's been so interesting and powerful, just listening to you both talk about your leadership experiences or just the the opportunities that you've had and the shots on goal you've had to practice these abilities to hone them. And so when you do graduate, you will be able to demonstrate that leadership wherever you end up. And speaking of whatever you end up, uh, I want to go over to Ashley for a second, because you have ended up somewhere post NYU Stern in your post MBA role. And just from our conversation previously, it sounds like you've been on your leadership journey for a while. Certainly you've developed at Stern, but even before that, you were on a leadership journey, but it was significantly enhanced while you were a student at Stern. So could you share more about how you developed your leadership abilities in business school and then how it's really helped you continue to develop and grow as a leader after your time at Stern? Of course. And you started to touch on it from what Lance and Josie were saying, which is Stern's really the first place where I shifted a leadership 
being kind of a status or a rank or a title that you earn to a mindset and a collection of behaviors over time. And so that's really important, obviously, as you go into a role where maybe you don't have a leader in your title. And at Stern, that's really embodied in throughout all of the classes and programming. And what was most helpful at Stern is the classes really complemented each other in terms of like what I now think of as like inner work and outer work. So there were some classes like manager your skills and some communication courses that we did that gave me a lot of confidence and skills to use. But classes like LIO with Nate and then Work Wisdom and Happiness with Jonathan Haidt forced me to spend some time figuring out my own authentic leadership and the values that were going to drive my leadership across time and as my circumstances and context change, because there is no one model for any one person or any one context that's going to kind of endure all situations. So I still go back to my journal from some of those classes to say, okay, who am I and what is leadership for me rather than what does it mean for everyone? I think it's great that you still reflect back on your time from Stern literally by even looking at your journal and looking at some of those insights that you had. And I think that's also incredible to see in terms of just being able to see the journey and the development journey that you've been on. It is also worth mentioning to listeners that reflecting on leadership, your EQ or emotional intelligence is part of the application process. So you will be challenged to think about these skills from your time as a candidate through the rest of your career, like Ashley has demonstrated in terms of where you were versus where you are. And I want to go back over to Nate for a second, because one of the benefits and I would argue the beauties of, of being a professor is you get to work with students for a couple of years, watch them grow off to the workplace, and then and I presume in some cases, continue to see them develop and grow. And I would maybe love to hear from you. You have worked closely with the students and alum on this podcast episode. Could you share from a professor's perspective how you've seen them develop in their time at Stern? Sure. I'll preface this by saying that to me, leadership and change very much go hand in hand. And there's this phrase that we use, like, if you're not upsetting someone, you're probably not leading. And I know that sounds strange. It doesn't go the other way. Like, if you're upsetting a lot of people, you're leading. Like, it's not the way that it goes. But people have difficulty moving beyond the status quo, even if the status quo itself is somewhat uncomfortable. And I'll give three examples of this with students. One actually happens to be Ashley. There's an assignment that I give at the end of class. It's now called the Leadership Commitments Plan. It initially had a, a different title. And it's all about turning the kind of analytical lens from alignment within organizations to alignment within ourselves. And Ashley came to me post taking the class and kind of hatched this idea for that type of assignment. And I, I did the math on that one recently, and we're just north of a thousand students that have now done that assignment. And so this is something that wouldn't have happened otherwise if Ashley hadn't been here to say this is a need to be filled. I'll give two other examples. Sherry Holt and Frank Vericchio hatched the podcast Stern Chats. And I think I'm allowed to say they got some resistance from that, from the school at the beginning a little bit. They're like, oh, I don't know. What are you going to say? What are you going to do? And they pushed forward. And now there's this lasting mark with this thing that tells the stories of the Stern community that didn't exist. And they faced resistance at the beginning. I'll give another example of a student from graduated 2018, perhaps, named Jonathan Herzog, actually recently ran for Congress. But Jonathan is a person who came to me and had a really difficult conversation with me about my class. 
and about some difficulties that he was having with it. And he said it in such a concise and incisive way that even my defense mechanisms of you don't know what you're talking about were punctured. And there's a half dozen improvements in the class that came because he was willing to have that difficult conversation with me. So these are examples of what I would say is leading, like challenging the status quo and then having a lasting impact afterwards because of that. So one of those examples is comes directly from one of the guests on this episode right now, Ashley. So Ashley, would you would you maybe want to share a little bit more there just in terms of what prompted you to go to it with this idea and reflecting back on it? What have you learned from that or what do you take away from being able to demonstrate leadership in that moment? Yeah, I think what prompted me to go to Nate was first his openness and willingness to push the class. You fill out a two minute reflections and feedback form at the end of every class. And you know, what feels like a micro behavior throughout the semester when you look over years and years of classes, I mean, you're making the class better for years and future generations of students. And it came in this nice culmination in the moment where I took Nate's class at the end of the year into my summer and saying, and I've learned a lot about leadership. I've started to explore myself. There's this piece of bringing that together and started to do something about it that was really this foundation of like experiential growing. And so the assignment was really like continuing to push from sitting in the seat, taking in a lot of information, saying, okay, how do I integrate that myself? And the leadership commitments now is, okay, now it's your turn to lead, lead yourself, lead others, but take what you've learned and do something about it. One thing that strikes me again for the prospective MBA applicants out there is that Part of what makes the MBA experience so great is that people like those on this episode, the students, often have meaningful talents and skills that they can use to contribute to the fabric of the community and to grow the community. And something that I was very fortunate when I went to business school at my alma mater, and I know I've talked with other students who have been at Stern and other places, is that the quality of the experience often also comes from the people you inhabit it with. And so being able to have you know, students like Ashley and Nate, some of the other leaders that you mentioned who not only are trying to better themselves, but are trying to contribute in a meaningful way that lasts beyond themselves is a value add to each individual's MBA experience, as well as strengthening the community at large. And, and I think from my perspective, at least for prospective students out there, those are the types of things you want to be thinking about of, of not only who you're going to enjoy you know, going to class with, but who's also going to help try to make this experience as best as it can be for other people. And so I think it's so cool, Ashley, to be able to see just firsthand the impact that you made, but also the willingness you had to to try to make the place a little bit better than when you found it. Anything else, Nate, in terms of other examples you've seen of other types of Stern alum who have really taken what you've taught them or what you and your colleagues have taught them about leadership and put it into action to either strengthen the community or to demonstrate leadership in a real and meaningful way? I have to be a little bit careful about how much I divulge in this, but I, I could say that there's a um, particular assignment that I give in class that forces students into having an unexpected and difficult conversation. And the moment that that is, is dropped, most students are like, I want to take your head off. What is it that you are doing to me at this moment? You, you fooled me into this corner. How dare you? And I certainly understand that reaction. But in reading those assignments, when they come back, it has facilitated so many different changes in people's lives, conversations that have been put off far too long, exits from particular relationships that maybe needed to, to end much, much sooner. 
And that's not me really doing anything special. That's the assignment itself, prompting someone to do something that they wanted to do, and they then had the courage to do it. So in the, the interest of not divulging what those students have done, because they are very, very personal, but I can tell you that each, each semester, there's some very remarkable and courageous things done by the, the student body at large. So Nate, I think, again, like one of the cool things about, or what I think the cool things about being a professor is that particularly in a course like one you, that you teach, you do get to see a little bit throughout the course of a semester or perhaps over the course of two years, how some of the, the growth and transformation in someone's leadership potential or abilities can kind of take shape. Could you maybe share just what that might look like in terms of based off of what you know, or some of the elements in your course or some of the, either the lived experiences that you're putting people through or some of the cases that you're giving, how you've often seen that amongst past students. I just would be curious to know what it's like from being a professor and being able to see some of that growth over time. Sure. At least in terms of how it manifests in class, I can think of at least two ways. And it, so if class is going well, there's a development of, of trust. You can't just be like, trust me, snap your fingers and that, okay, I turned on my trust switch. Like that doesn't work that way. Usually if things are going well by maybe this third class, second class, third class, fourth class, all of a sudden what you'll start to see is students pushing back on me. So they trust me enough to push back a little bit on the things that I say. And then if I'm really lucky, what you will see is by about halfway through, they'll start to push back on each other. Because they're basically internalizing the lesson of speaking up, of offering a minority viewpoint, of being willing to dissent maybe with a person who's a friend, or even more so, maybe it's a person who's really popular or a person who won't take it well. But they're speaking up on for the benefit of the, those that are silent that might have that viewpoint. And so these are just little behavioral manifestations. But I'm also, honestly sitting in front of a room of 60, I can only take in so much. There's got to be other stuff that's happening kind of in the trenches, you know, in the rows in the, in the classroom. I'd love to toss it over to Lance, Josie, Ashley, if you can remember back a couple of years of things that you might've seen change over the course of, of this semester, either in LIO or, or other classes that are indications that some of the lessons are actually taking and ossifying. Yeah, definitely. I think of that first week, I think, starts off with the Mount Everest case. And I remember sort of having the small group discussions about that. And like you said, I think by about the second or third week, we're talking through the ethics of the whole like MBA admission scandal and just having this sort of really open, frank conversation where you've got a lot of different points of view. And I think going through a case and examples like that really kind of creates the space for people to share those perspectives and to really have a, a conversation about it. And potentially even have your point of view change your challenge. Yeah, I actually remember you a couple, I can't think of the specific instances, but I do have this one moment where I remember like there was like kind of a lull in conversation in the class. And I know you were often like to my left <laughs> on that side of the room and like you raised your hand and said something that no, like that was in dissent with a popular viewpoint. I remember thinking like, good job, Lance. They kind of kept things moving along and, and interesting. What that makes me think and connects to some of the work I do now with the CEO practice at Spencer Stewart is I feel like leadership in an, the MBA environment was one of the first classes where there's real nuance and many right answers. So you're taking leadership at the same time as you're doing accounting or economics where there's a way and a formula. But this debate we're talking about 
emerges because there are many right answers. And so it takes a teacher like Nate, who's comfortable navigating that with the students, students who are comfortable in that environment. And then the way I see that manifest now is we work with CEOs and future CEOs is like, there are many right strategies. There are many right ways to frame a town hall and to being able to be comfortable in that environment where there's not one right or wrong is actually kind of a unique experience. The course also forced us to interact with other people, not forced, but encouraged us to interact with other people. So I remember working in a lot of other different groups for some in-class activities. And actually one of my closest friends came out of one of our LIO exercises, which was great. And I was sort of hanging out with the same group of people for the first semester. And I was really encouraged and excited to branch out as a result of many of those class exercises, which was great. Yeah, definitely. It reminds me of the uh, listening exercise that we did where you are, you know, paired with a person just sort of at random and you speak for, I think, starting at like five or seven minutes or something, just like nonstop. And the other person does not say anything. And it's a great way to just sort of like meet other people, hear completely different people that you wouldn't necessarily like come across. So really valuable, good way to, to meet others. I judge the success of that exercise by how many pairs of people hug at the end of it. <laughs> not like a 15, 20% conversion rate. That's not bad. Well, the thing that I think about is that if that is just a glimpse of what one class could be like, that speaks to the value of the opportunity of the MBA experience, where hopefully you get many of those opportunities to have those spaces to be able to explore in those ways, to be able to learn and, and push yourself to learn in different ways, to view different opinions, to speak up in different ways. And I think collectively over the two years that you're in that, it just drives so much opportunity for learning and growth. Okay, so I want to go back to the students, current students for a second, and I will want to talk a little bit about co-curriculars and leadership experiences because you both teased at it a little bit, and I wanted to dive in a little bit further. So I'm going to start with you, Lance. I know you're fairly involved on campus, and can you talk about a specific leadership role that you've taken on and how you're using that as an opportunity to further your development and growth as a leader? Yeah, definitely. I can expand a little bit on what I mentioned earlier with ABBAS and the consortium vertical, because that's my main focus this year. And just for context, the consortium is an organization that focuses on growing people of color in their presence of people of color in MBA programs. And so that is something that I, I was very involved with my first year. And as we were looking at the board and looking at the different positions for this year, we decided to create this vertical that focuses specifically on the consortium and offers programming for students that are, you know, starts before you get to school, you know. So with the consortium, there is an orientation program that happens in June. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of recruiting going on. You're trying to figure out like business school hasn't even started. You're redoing your resume. And it can be pretty overwhelming. And so seeing that support didn't really exist in the Abbas organization the first year, we decided to create it this year. And so it's been a really great opportunity, you know, to meet a lot of students that are recruiting for lots of different areas that I wasn't necessarily uh, focused on and just figuring out what is it that they need? How can we best support them? And I think that just being able to recognize the gap there and identify being able to just sort of fill it and say like, hey, like this position didn't exist. We're going to create it. We're going to make it happen. I think is the fact that you can just like do that at NYU Stern is definitely like to me, the leadership sort of taking what I learned in the classroom and just being able to make it tangible and actualize it. Yeah, again, and just going back to a point I made earlier, 
having people who are willing to invest and, and help grow the community as well as to support their peers and classmates, I think is a something that is super valuable to think about when you're considering you know MBA programs that are out there. And it is so great to see that so many people like yourself, Lance, and others who are willing to kind of do that to enrich the experience for other students that are out there. Josie, I want to go over to you again for a second. Inside and out of the classroom, you've clearly found ways to grow your leadership abilities. I'd be curious if you wouldn't mind taking a step back to reflect a little bit and to think about you know, where you were with your leadership abilities when you started your MBA experience and, and where you are now. And how do you think you have grown or, or what parts of you have you noticed transformation or change? So when I first started my MBA experience, I used to hold myself to a very high standard, almost like an impossibly high standard. And when you're holding yourself to a very high standard and you're not very kind to yourself, I think it's hard to be kind to others. It's hard to have empathy. And as I've grown, as I've gotten older and as I've gotten more experience and as I've also taken on leadership roles in and out of the classroom and of course at my internship experience, I've noticed that I've started to be a little bit kinder to myself. And when I worked in sales and trading, I would really die for the client almost at the expense of everybody else. And I would oftentimes forget about the internal stakeholders. We actually read a case in Professor Pettit's class about a guy at Morgan Stanley who he was a really high revenue producer, but just wasn't the kindest to those that he worked with. And I unfortunately saw a little bit of myself in this individual. And one thing I I wanted to take with me when I started the MBA experience was just be a little bit kinder with myself, be more empathetic with others. And it's made my working and social experience so much better. It's also helped me self-reflect a little bit more. And it's good to hold yourself to a high standard, but not if it's at the expense of those around you. So I would say I've, I've really grown a lot in that way since I started at Stern. What I like about that specific example is that I do think that there are probably, when you get to the end of your MBA experience, or even at the end of your first year, there are very specific, tangible, big changes you might see in yourself. You know, For example, you didn't work, you worked in a non-business background, and then you did an internship in management consulting, and then you got a full-time offer. That is a very tangible and transformational change that is very, very easy to see. But some of the things that you just mentioned there, you may not necessarily see them in a massive way, but you do get a chance to practice them each and every day. And when you do get a chance to practice them over time, you can start to see the growth and development that you make. Learning or being able to think about and reflect on being kind, and then being able to try to apply that in your everyday work is something you can do every day. And, and over time, you do have the ability to grow. And, and again, going back to holistically thinking about the MBA experience, the big changes are certainly important, right? But there's the smaller ones that really do have the chance to be transformational over time. And I think that's a really good example of one that you highlighted. Lance, I want to go over to you for a second, because again, I know you're second year. And I'd be curious, as you're thinking about your final year in business school, because unfortunately or fortunately, you only get one business school, what are other leadership opportunities or programs that you want to take advantage of this final year to really continue to feel your own growth and development as a leader? The most important one coming up is the Leadership Fellows course that I'm doing, which is a year-long course where you're in a group of about 15 students and you go through many different scenarios. You're paired with a mentor. And I think that having this sort of form for regular practice and feedback will be a really good experience to kind of, I think, prepare me as best as I can for whatever I'll be doing, you know, full-time after I graduate. I'm also doing a collaboration conflict negotiation course, which I think is another sort of very much practice focus course where you're able to take on the role of a person to go through the 
ins and outs of a negotiation. What would you do and say in this situation? And then have the form to have a debrief and analyze, you know, what went wrong, what went right, and how can you grow, you know, in that sort of function. So I think both of those courses are two that I'm really excited about in this last year of business school for leadership development. Ashley, I know you're not a student anymore, but anything else you you might want to add in this line of thinking in terms of other types of leadership opportunities you took on at Stern that you felt really helped drive your growth and development or additional thoughts after hearing a little bit of what Josie uh, as well as Lance shared in terms of their own kind of growth and development? Well, I smiled when Lance brought up the conflict collaboration course because I still think about that actually one because A, I've used a lot of what I learned about negotiation, but the biggest aha, which I may be revealing too soon for Lance, is it's multidisciplinary. And you go through this one example where to win the negotiation, you basically have to kind of be unethical. And especially in leadership, you think you're this person of ethics and morals and you know what's right. And then we're all in this moment where that comes into choice and it's high pressure and something's at stake and it all of a sudden feels a little bit hard. And I just remember the feeling I had in that case of like, okay, do I, I know I'm not going to get the outcome I want if I choose this path. And that's still just a visceral feeling I can remember and just goes to the quality of some of these experiences and the multiple disciplinary aspect of these courses where, you know, I didn't think I was getting an ethics lesson in negotiations, but that was one of my biggest takeaways. Nate, I see you smiling a little bit, and I'm sure as a professor and a student of instructional design or learning, I'm, I'm sure your head's kind of smiling a little bit just in terms of how you've designed some of these things to really provoke people into lines of thinking. I'm curious if you want to add anything just in terms of either hearing about what Ashley just said or just in general about some of these, again, these real world leadership learning experiences that really make people think or reflect differently. I wish I could take credit for designing that. I did not at all. I had nothing to do with that. But the word that Ashley used that really cued me in was visceral because she's talking about an emotional experience that we re remember very differently than we remember book learning. And I guess to go back to sort of what Lance was talking about a little bit earlier with regards to the Leadership Fellows Program that he and uh, 59 other students will be a part of, a lot of that, if you go back to the beginning around a pedagogical model is what we're trying to do is create a visceral experience for those students together. Sometimes it'll, you'll have that experience alone. Sometimes it'll be working with other people. Again, we bring actors into that, but the function of the mentors, if you think about the way that people learn, you have that experience and then you reflect on the experience. And we have a, a wonderful group of 60 executive mentors who have volunteered to help guide these, these students through. And so it's making me realize that we can try to engineer lots of these things, but at the same time, sometimes alluding to like Ashley's experience in that class and what Josie was sort of learning to be a little bit kinder to herself. There's also a lot of happy accidents that happen along the way too, just by going through. For sure. So I want to switch the conversation for a little bit and I want to start with you, Ashley, because what I think is really interesting and unique about your background is that you've enjoyed leadership so much that it's woven your way into your own kind of career path. And I would love to know from you, if I stand corrected, you are also where you work in the field of leadership development as a leadership coach. And I would just be curious to know, how did this happen? And how did your time at Fitzstern really play a role in helping you find this career opportunity? I don't know if he knows it, but Nate actually gave me the idea at the end of my second year, I was working as a fellow for Nate and 
it kind of zeroed in on the zone of I knew I wanted to help people unleash their potential. I didn't know if that would look like consulting, counseling. I was thinking therapy. I was circling all these kind of spaces, coaching from like a little league perspective. And they introduced me to a coach he had met. And, um, you know, I did one of the well-known coffee chats and the seed was planted right then and there. What I didn't realize at the time is, is I thought, okay, I think coaching is what I want to be when I grow up, but now I need to go get the 25 years of experience to have some credibility. And so that took me a couple of years to unlearn, but the seed was planted. And it really, when I talked in the beginning about kind of finding that fulfillment alignment, it checked all the things that were important to me. What I love about coaching is it starts with the premise of each individual is whole and capable, and that is integrated into the entire Stern experience. All the courses that Nate's designing and the programs share that, that the role of the teacher, the facilitator, a coach is to create the circumstances for the student or leader to discover their own solution as opposed to kind of the top down, let me teach or tell you. And with the pace of change and complexity of our world today, I think this form of kind of self-empowered experiential learning is crucial. And everyone from Nate to the wonderful people at the Leadership Accelerator, who I get to kind of partner with in my role now, embody the commitment to learning that way. And that's kind of what I love about coaching and how that shows up at Stern. Nate, I don't have a direct question on this, but maybe riff for me for a second. But just listening to Ashley tell her story, I got to think it's pretty cool to see this, right? In terms of it coming full circle as an educator and a professor, right? In terms of the programs, not just you, but you and your colleagues and others that are meant to help facilitate and unlock the potential of, of students. And then to have a student become an alum and also use some of the learnings or some of the ideas and some of your direct guidance or exploration to really fuel their own development. That's kind of got to be a little bit of at least partially what it's all about. Am I wrong to think that or? No, you, you don't know why people go into academia, Al. It's all about the <laughs> fat <fabric> check. <laughs> Fair enough. No, it, I mean, it is super gratifying. And I, now I remember that kind of conversation and connection. And it's all by, you know, all these things by accident. And, and frankly, a huge part of it is Ashley's really talented and very intuitive in, in these ways as well. The type of person that can not only do it for herself, but be able to do it for others. But I mean, I, I think to borrow Ashley's words, we're just trying to create conditions. A lot of people have said about LIO leadership and organizations is that it's really, if you just decide you're going to submit to the class, that you will get something out of it. You could very easily cruise through that, through the class at arm's length and do fine and get through and it's semi-entertaining and whatever. But if you actually kind of submit to some of these ideas, that's on the student to do. That's nothing that I've done or anyone else has done. It's really all on the student. I do really want to shout out one of my colleagues in all this is Hannah Levinson, who is doing a lot of building with me and some of it more her than myself in developing creative programming around the live case. She runs a leadership for storytelling summit. All these are like very creative and I I think done in ways that are unique to higher education. And she's a a wonderful partner in all that we we do in the leadership accelerator. I think to me, what stands out the most is that, Nate, to the point that you made, programs like Stern, they can create the conditions for this work to happen. And that is the opportunity for students out there like Lance and Josie and alums like Ashley 
to give a short plug, the name of this podcast is MBA Insider, which is named after my book, MBA Insider, How to Make the Most of Your MBA Experience. And what really struck out to me with all three of the, the students and alum guests here is that they really have used the conditions at NYU Stern to get the most out of MBA, their MBA experience to achieve their specific goals. And so to the prospective students, again, that's out there, just by nature of listening to this episode, you can see the conditions are there in terms of the programs, the experiences, the classroom, outside of the classroom, the conditions are all there. It's just your opportunity to go and seize it. Okay, so we're getting towards the time to wrap up here. And I want to close by giving our students and alum a chance to offer some wisdom and advice. So I'm going to start with Josie. And what advice would you have for prospective students as they think about evaluating the leadership development opportunities of the MBA programs that they're considering? Take them seriously. Echoing what Professor Pettit said, just take them seriously. If you're going to take a course like leadership and organizations or management communications, just take it seriously. Um, the concepts you learn in these classes are really, really, really applicable to, again, I've said it ad nauseum, but they're really applicable to how you interact with others in a business setting as well as in a personal setting. And the way you interact with people affects many aspects of your life, your reputation, whether or not people trust you, and of course, whether or not they like you and that they want to interact with you and maybe even do business with you. So that would be my biggest piece of advice is if you're going to take a leadership role or take a leadership course or anything that has to do with how you interact with others in a real world setting, just take it seriously because it's going to be helpful. Okay, great. And Lance, what about you? What parting advice might you have for prospective MBA applicants who are considering NYU Stern? What kinds of wisdom would you give to them if they do have Stern on their short list about why it could be a great fit or anything that they should do to or consider or look deeper into? Yeah, I think it's important to make sure that you're just your authentic self in the application process. It's very easy to think through what is the admissions team looking for? Like, what do they want in an applicant? And I think it's easy to get distracted from just being yourself and focusing on your goals and being clear about that. And then I think it's also just important because there are so many different courses and there are so many specializations offered at NYU Stern just to do the research and to really explore the programs and get a feel for what the curriculum looks like for each of these different tracks. You know, with the core curriculum, as a full-time student, you are only required to do five to eight. And so I remember just talking to previous students and getting the advice of, you know, if you're going to do, you know, a core class, like leadership and organizations is one that you have to do. And so without that sort of research, without talking to people who've done it, it's very easy to miss something that could be a great opportunity that impacts what you end up doing after school. So Ashley, I want to go over to you since you are the Sage Wise alum. Any advice that you would want to give to prospective applicants who are considering an MBA and considering NYU Stern? I think what stands out to me now is you, many of us, myself included, go into the application process with some kind of career change or career advancement in mind. And to come into it equally open to and curious about your personal change. Because when you think about it from that perspective, you'll you'll entertain and see a lot more interesting opportunities. If you're kind of focused on career, you'll see a lot of skill building opportunities. But the way you'll come across leadership fellows or the accelerator is coming into it thinking about how do I want to evolve as a person? And those experiences in my 
time at Stern are the ones that have stood the test of three years and many more. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.